Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hi there, friends. Welcome to episode 34. Today on the podcast, I am sharing a fantastic conversation I had with Baron Carson. Baron and his wife, Jen, are full-time ministers to Europe and the Middle East based out of Paris, France. Baron is also a digital communications, media, and organizational consultant with a passion for helping churches develop and optimize their online presence. We talk missions, ministry, marketing, and how to get over the sleazy, icky feeling we sometimes encounter when we try to pair those things together. We packed a ton of information into this one, and I know it's going to bless you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Baron Carson. Baron Carson, welcome to Good Question. Well, thank you. We're really delighted, or I'm really delighted to be uh, talking with you today. I'm excited about this as well. I'm excited to have you on as a podcast guest, but I'm also just excited to pick your brain myself. Our listeners might not be aware of this at the moment when they hear this. I don't think we've announced it on the podcast yet, but my husband and I are approved as Amers to Denmark. And so they, we have a lot of questions <laughs> about <laughs> some of the topics that we have been told you are an expert in. So we're going to use this opportunity to pick your brain for our own personal uh, information and then also share this with our listeners, because I feel like it's something that will benefit them as well. Um, but before we get into all the questions and the things I want to ask you, I want you just to introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us who you are and what you're about. Well, my wife and I, we are associate missionaries. We live in the beautiful city of Paris, France. And, you know, it never gets old, the fact that we live here. Uh, it does it, it is it does feel like home at this point. But, you know, on Sunday evenings after church, whenever we uh, go into the city and we are able to see the Eiffel Tower mm. uh, and still eat <laughs> at Five Guys, you know, we, we pinch <laughs> ourselves. We, we have the best of both worlds. We can enjoy a good, uh, healthy American hamburger and admire the beautiful sights of Paris. So, yeah, we've lived here in France since uh, February of 2018. Mm. An interesting fact, we landed in Paris on February the 14th. So on Valentine's Day, we landed in the city of love. Aww. And uh, we are we, we love living here, but we have lived in Europe since uh, 2016. We lived in Holland before we lived here. Uh, so we've been working in missions and full-time uh, ministry since 2016. Uh, I'm kind of telling things in reverse, but <laughs> we came over to the Netherlands on a mission trip in 2014 uh, on an AYC trip. And we, we were kind of the old people on that trip, the old married couple. And we're not old, but compared to the, you know, the 17, 18 year olds on this trip uh, as, um, older adults. It was kind of funny, but the Lord really began messing with our hearts. And whenever we went back to our uh, homes, we just never, we we could not be comfortable with mm. 
our, our average life. And that doesn't say anything against anyone else. It was just God was calling us into ministry. He was calling us into into a work in Europe. So we've been doing that since 2016. And uh, we we just love what we're doing over here, working with churches. Uh, we work across Europe and the Middle East. We're based in France, but uh, we do work really kind of all over the world. That's really exciting. And it's such an interesting, it's always so interesting to me to hear how God puts a call on different people's hearts at different times. And even my own, even our experience of, you know, we were married for several years. We had a small child when God first started dealing with us about going to Denmark. And it was kind of one of those things that as a kid growing up, I'd always been interested in missions, but you just kind of assume if it doesn't happen, you know, right out of college or something that maybe I don't know why it was in my mind that like we had, we were past the point of that being a thing. I don't know. It was, it's so bizarre to think about where my brain even was with that. But that when yeah. the call, when the call of God came to my husband first, um, I was really taken aback. I was like, wait, what? That's not what I envisioned for our lives. Not that I was against it at all, but it was just kind of shocking. So I yeah. do have a question about that for you though. You said you guys went on an AYC trip as a married couple. You were, were you the chaperones for the trip or were you just <laughs> there as members of the trip? We were there as members of the trip. I think it's up until 35 years old that you're able to go on an AYC trip. And I was, I think, 34 years old at the time. Uh, I won't tell you how old my wife is. <laughs> she was She wouldn't appreciate that, but uh, she was somewhere between 30 and 35 years old at the time. And uh, yeah, so we were, um, <laughs> we were not the chaperones in that trip, but we were much closer to the chaperones age. Well, that, but that's so cool because I didn't realize that was something you could even do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, what's really funny is we, I went on my first, uh, it was actually youth on missions trip in 2005 to South Africa. And I, I really fell in love with missions, but I got involved in, I was, I was in university. And if anyone asked me what I was going to do with my life, um, my answer was, I'm going to business school. I'm going to be rich and hmm. support missionaries. Hmm. Uh, and, and really, that's that was my goal. And I was pretty open about the fact I just wanted to be rich and support missionaries. I still, I loved missions, but I didn't want to be doing it myself. Um, so I, I had become so entrenched in this idea that I was not going to be involved in missions that whenever my wife actually approached me about going to the Netherlands on this mission trip, for me, I hate to admit this. It was literally just a sightseeing trip. And hey, if I get to do some ministry along the way, that's cool. It's I'm just there to sightsee. Mm. As, as a matter <laughs> of fact, I was so adamant about this. I told my wife and even one of my friends, I said, hey, I don't want to do anything on this trip. I'm just on this trip to take some pictures and sightsee. Well, what's really funny, a few weeks before this trip, Matt and Becca Johnson were chaperones on this trip. And... Brother Matt Johnson gives me a call and I didn't know his number and I, I just knew who he was by reputation. And he and I have since become friends. But as we were talking on the phone, he said, hey, I want you to do social media for this AYC trip. And I laughed because I thought one of my friends who knows Brother Johnson, I thought one of my friends had put him up to this as a <laughs> trick because I had been so adamant about the fact I was not preaching on this trip. I was not doing anything except taking pictures. Well, I realized Brother Johnson was being serious and it was not a joke to him at all. So of course, I wasn't going to turn him down and I did social media work <laughs> for that trip. I actually ended up preaching a couple of times on that trip and God just totally 
wrecked my life and my view on the world. And uh, it's going to get me choked up thinking about it. But in, in putting ourselves into a position to experience God outside of our comfort zone, it kind of opened our ears to the voice of God mm. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, it's kind of our story in short. I love that. And I, I love that we get to just include that little tidbit here because you know, we can look at the analytics of this podcast and know that our audience kind of skews um, late 20s to maybe early 40s is where most of our audience is. And I think a lot of times in that stage of life, you're maybe already married, you might have a kid kind of like we were, um, you have, you know, a college education and you kind of know, or you think you know, where your life is going. Yeah. And maybe in some cases you feel like, oh, I thought I had a call from God as a young person for a certain thing and it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. And so maybe I missed it. And so I'm, that's just, I just want to encourage somebody that's listening that it's not too late, no matter how old you are. And if you're in this age range and you're still interested in missions, (laughs) like go check this out. I had no idea that, I don't know why I thought AYC was just for single people, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I don't know because what I thought. Because that's the majority of the people normally, going on this Yeah, trips. who normally goes. <laughs> exactly. So that's really cool. So maybe we might have just given somebody a light bulb moment. I'm excited about that. Well, that's that's awesome. And if, if you want to circle back to that, uh, if you want to talk about that some more, we can. That's one of our passions is helping get people connected with their calling, get people connected with their ministry, because we get so caught up with life and uh, we think we don't have anything to offer. And God's just waiting on us to take a step of faith. And whenever we do, he's always there to catch us. He's always there to meet us. Uh, He's just waiting on us to take that first step. Yeah. And there are so many ways to, Pastor Longstreth, our pastor lately, has been talking about the whole idea of just being kingdom-minded and about how he wants our church here to to be a kingdom-minded church. And my husband and I have been talking about that because, you know, we've, we, we feel like we have this call to Denmark, but my husband's not a preacher. He doesn't feel a call yeah. to preach, but we feel a call to be a supporter, to go there and assist and to help and to to pick up some of the slack Absolutely. for the ministry that's already in place there. And so there are so many ways in our local churches that we can do that and so many ways in our communities. Thinking outside the box of, you know, the regular things that we think of, of preachers and Sunday school teachers and youth leaders, like there are so many other things that are needed in the church, especially right now. Oh, that's the truth. There's so many ways that we can use the gifts and talents that God has given us for the kingdom. So I I love that whole conversation as well, because it's easy sounds to like get another in, podcast. Yeah, it does. It sounds like a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll have to have you back. Um, <laughs> because yeah, I think, yeah, it's great. We won't, we won't get all tied up in that right now, but it's fantastic. So your um, looking at your email signature, you say that you are a digital communications, media, and organizational consultant. What does that Sounds mean? Sounds fancy, doesn't it? It sure does. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep people guessing. It's a lot of words that may not mean a whole lot. But uh, no, uh, I've, I've been involved in digital communications. Oh, man. Well, probably since the mid-90s, which is really during, from the birth of digital communications, I've been involved in that. And, but someone asked me uh, last year, how, how did you get involved in that? And I kind of had to start thinking, I didn't really know. And really, this sounds silly, but my biggest answer was, I'm, I, I don't enjoy sports. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so I, I was just kind of this, I, I enjoyed reading, being inside. And um, back in, I think it was 1991, 1990, some, something like that, whenever uh, the United States invaded Iraq. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of a crazy off the beat story. But uh, growing up, we did not have a television and my parents, we rented a television so that we could watch this uh, historic media event unfolding. Well, there's commercials on the TV and I see, you know, these digitized, these CAD drawings of cars and 3D motion and all these computerized things. And I just begin pestering my parents. I want a computer. I want a computer. Well, they finally got a computer and uh, it, it just kind of became a passion of mine. And I'm as time went on, I began to see that the digital world in many cases is as real as the physical world. Mm. And what happens is we get so caught up with what we can see in front of us that we don't see we don't see what we don't see. Mm. And I know yeah. that sounds kind of uh, oxymoronic or sounds weird uh, or like no <laughs> dub Aaron to say. Uh, but we we get caught up in the in the in the physical world and that's absolutely true. We need to be connected with the people around us, you know, put your phone down at the dinner table, you know, make real life connections. But on the other hand, we we have to realize that on the other side of our screens, there are real people with real issues and real needs and they need real connection. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the ministry slant of what I do. But um, I when I went to college, I went to LSU and I got my degree in marketing. And what's crazy is when I graduated from LSU, digital marketing, it was not even a thing. Mm-hmm. But I was I was passionate in this area. And they, though digital marketing was not a thing, it was very obvious that it was quickly becoming a thing. So the, the very first iPod was released whenever I was in university. Mm. And I remember walking by the campus labs and they had the old uh, iMacs that were this kind of the plastic multicolored screens, <laughs> yep. you know, yep. and they just look so cool. Um <laughs> And then, so my first job out of college was as a uh, marketing director for a software company. So I'm very passionate about technology. I'm very passionate about marketing. And so all of these things kind of come together in the digital world. And one thing that I realized many years ago, it's very important that you don't just learn something and then move on. You need to continuously educate yourself. So I just kind of dove deep in the marketing arena and uh, are in the in the digital communications um, arena, and it sounds perhaps arrogant to say, but that's I, I think it's just being self aware. Uh, that's one of my giftings. Um, some people some people are good at basketball. I'm I'm good with computers. Some people are good with other things. I just happen to be good uh, with this particular area, and a lot of it kind of ties back into psychology as well. I, I'm not a psychologist. I've studied psychology. Um, fairly extensively, but, uh, and I've made some jokes with people before and tell them I'm a junior psychologist and like, oh, really? It's like, no, not really. I'm just joking. <laughs> but in, in digital communications and organizations, so much of it comes down to psychology and the way people think. Mm-hmm. And people aren't stupid. And it's, that would be terrible to, to just say, hey, people are stupid. But, uh, People need to be walked through things. And we, I think, make things way too complicated for people because we assume things. Mm. And if we cannot assume and just walk people through in a in a non-arrogant conversational way and imagine what if you did not know something for the first time, 
what do you need to be able to know something for the first time? So that kind of question is, is something that I'm passionate about. And, and really that question helps drive a lot of the work that I do. Uh, what is it that somebody needs to be able to find out something for the very first time without them feeling insecure, weird, or uncomfortable? I'm going to have to think about that for a second. <laughs> because I think as so as someone who has kind of dipped my toe into some of this digital marketing uh, with the podcast, um, I think a lot of times I err on the side of not wanting to make it seem like I think people are stupid. Yeah. So what's happening is that I'm probably not giving people enough information. And, and that's, and perhaps so. And one of the things I tell people all the time, and this is just one of my my quirks, my idiosyncrasies, uh, is I say, hey, I don't want to insult your intelligence. So mm. if if I'm telling you something that you already know, just stop me. That's cool. But I want to I want to assume that you don't know, so that uh, we're just starting off on the same page together. And and most of the time, people appreciate that uh, because you're you're approaching them respectfully. You're not saying, hey. Uh, you're an idiot. You need to know all this stuff. <laughs> but but you're also not saying, you're also not assuming that they know everything and then they're left feeling really uncomfortable because you've assumed that they know something. And when you assume somebody knows something, the energy that it takes for them to actually ask the question, mm. when you've assumed that they know, that's kind of a, a humiliating position to be in. When yeah. When someone thinks you know something and you actually don't. 100%. Huh. That's really good. That's something that I'm going to have to think about as I go forward, both with the podcast and then also with our, you know, aim endeavor, because I don't I know I don't like being on the other end of that. I don't like that. Exactly. Feeling. And, you know, I doing the same. We I know we're talking about digital marketing and stuff like that, but I can't help it. I'm in ministry. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so much of this ties back into ministry as well. Uh, I take on the same strategy as well whenever I'm teaching Bible studies, you know. People come from all different types of uh, religious backgrounds, various veins and uh, genres of Christianity, but even in the church. So let's say you've been going to church with someone for 10 or 15 years. You just can't assume that somebody knows something because we all have different pursuits and interests and something that may have caught your attention uh, may not have caught somebody else's attention. So like whenever I'm teaching a Bible study, uh, I was teaching a Bible study to a young lady yesterday, and she, you know, she tells me that she was raised Christian, but I don't want to assume that she knows everything. Mm. So I'm literally going through the book of Genesis, and I'm talking about uh, Noah and the ark. You know, these are these are Sunday school stories, and I, you know, I, I tell the girl, "Hey, I I know that you already know these stories, and I don't want to just uh, assume that you know everything about these. And I certainly don't know everything about these stories either. But just for the laying of basis for future Bible studies, let's go ahead and start just you know going back over these old Sunday school stories. Well, what's what's crazy is in toward the end of this Bible study, I see huge tears well up in this girl's eyes. And I'm, I'm literally talking about Noah and the ark. I mean, this, hmm. is, this is Sunday school level material. And um, she's got big tears in her eyes. And she goes, I'm sorry, I'm just feeling emotional. I was like, no, 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 what's, what's, what, are, what, are, what are these feelings about? And she said, I'm just thinking about all these people that were not saved 
when Noah was on the ark. And I'm thinking about my family that is not saved and all my friends and coworkers and people that I know that won't be saved because they reject the message of Jesus. Mm. And this, this was an old story. It was a story that she knew. But because I didn't just assume that she knew all the nuances of the story and we were able to kind of place her into that time by telling the story fresh, God was able to speak to her. Yeah. And I think sometimes we we assume too much and we we shouldn't assume so much. We can treat people with respect, respect their level of knowledge while still unfolding fresh new things to them that may feel old to you. Yeah. So as a profession, I'm a sign language interpreter and I've interpreted for church at different places where I've been, if there have been, um, you know, deaf people coming to church. And one of the things I've noticed that comes up in apostolic preaching a lot is the phrase, we all know the story. Exactly. No, no, we don't all know the story. And a lot of times I've had to, like in the middle of interpreting a sermon, I've had to completely stop what I'm doing and tell the story. To the person in ASL because they don't know it. They've never heard it. They've, you know, maybe they grew up in a family where there wasn't communication, all this incidental, even things you might have picked up from culture, you know, from uh, just references in in media, they've missed it. And so I've had to just like put the whole sermon on hold while I explain the story so that I can get to the point that the pastor was making. Um, And so I've become very sensitive to that phrase. We all know. Or even just throwing out a random reference to a Bible story where those of us who are familiar, we can make the connection that you're making. But for someone who's brand new, they're missing so much information. And so I think that's really, really, really important for us to keep in mind, like you said, both in ministry and then just in everyday life. Yes, absolutely. And you you know, one thing that I've learned in doing this, and you and I are on this podcast today, but I spend some time, uh, you know, working with churches and consulting with different ministries, we get so familiar and comfortable uh, with our area of interest or the, you know, we become subject matter experts on Mm -hmm. this or that. And I, I'm guilty of making this mistake so many times. I just assume that people already know some of the basics and they don't. And if I'm not careful, I can get frustrated. I'm like, don't you know, oh, you should have your address on your church website. You know, that's, <laughs> what's wrong with you? That's just basic stuff. But for me, it's basic. And if I just assume this and don't actually talk people through it, then they're missing a lot. Yeah. So it's important that we, you know, we treat, that we treat people respectfully, but still share, share what we know and don't assume that people know everything that we know. Yeah, I like that. I really do. So a lot of what you do, if I understand correctly, is regarding like applying marketing principles to aspects of ministry. So like you were mentioning church websites and social media for the AYC trips and that sort of thing. Can you talk about why you feel like that's beneficial and why that might be something that churches that aren't as involved in that area of kind of getting the word out about their church should take an interest in it and and maybe put some energy and some time towards that? Oh, I've got some pretty strong feelings about this. And if <laughs> if you need to delete this out of the podcast <laughs> later, if it makes me look bad or you look bad, you can delete it. No hard feelings. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say churches that are not embracing this are just simply, if if they're not dead, 
they're certainly not growing. And mm-hmm. I would make an argument that anything that's not growing is actually dead. The things I might, uh, that I'm about to say might sound a little bit harsh, but I feel, um, I feel qualified to make these statements. I grew up, my family pastored a church, and uh, we, we grew up in a church where we saw amazing miracles take place. And I've got great faith because of what was instilled in me as a child and the amazing miracles that I saw. And we, you know, we, we prayed all the time and we, we, we had consistent fast days and we had all of the spiritual principles that we needed. But the spiritual principles, if you don't put them to work, uh, with with real life action, you you can. Uh, there are plenty of good preachers. Good preaching isn't going to grow a church, uh, and you know we we cannot forsake apostolic principles. We cannot, uh, you know, we can't forsake uh, our time in prayer. We can't forsake fasting. We can't we we can't look at these things and say they don't matter because they obviously do. But I, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I, I can point to probably a hundred churches that have these spiritual principles in place, but the churches are dead and not growing mm. because they're not in tune with what's happening in the world around them. So the 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 idea that uh, we ju- we'll just pray and God will send us who He wants us to have um, it it kind of goes against the teachings of Jesus to mm-hmm. go out and make disciples. And it, it requires some work on our part. It requires some strategy on our part. And I, you know, I, I don't know um, solid st- statistics on this, but you can probably speak from your personal experience that anyone listening to this podcast today can probably speak from this experience. Before you go to a place, you're probably going to Google the place and mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, what are the, what are the reviews? I want to see some pictures. Um, and let's, you know, I, I mentioned a moment ago and we were talking about just assuming things about people. The scariest thing that someone can do in relation to church is open that door for the first time. Mm. They don't know what's on the other side of that door. And we we know on the other side of that door uh, is healing, is freedom, is friends, is family, is connections. So on the other side of that door, when we walk up, we can walk up with joyous expectation because we receive ministry on the other side of that door. But imagine you've invited a coworker to church. They've just heard about Christianity. Uh, they don't. They may, maybe they've gone to other Christian churches and had bad experiences. But they like you. Uh, they 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 haven't been to church in many years, and they're going to come to your church. And when they grab the handle and open that door, what are the thoughts that are racing through their head? What are they thinking? And we. We as church people, unfortunately, we, we think church is all about ourselves sometimes. So mm. we, uh, we, we craft church to be comfortable for ourselves. And we, we don't really put ourselves sometimes in the shoes of someone that's walking in that door for the first time. Or more specifically, what did they do before they came in the door for the first time? They mm-hmm. looked at you on Google. They found you online. And if, if they can't find you on the internet, chances are super high they're not going to come to your church. Yeah. And you do the same thing with your with restaurants that you go to, with businesses that you go to. Uh, 
you know, if my wife and I are looking for a place to go out and eat, I'm going to go get on Google. I'm going to look at pictures of their menu. I'm going to look at their food. If their food looks bad, I'm not going to the restaurant. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and we, as I said earlier, we live in Paris, so things here are a little bit more expensive. And I have this crazy idea that if it's not four stars or higher, I'm not wasting my money on it. It's too expensive. Yeah. So, and it's the same thing with church. You know, if a church has a, a bunch of bad reviews or something online uh, because of bad experiences people have been receiving, uh, someone's not going to go to it. And if we ignore the online community and these online principles that businesses are using for marketing, then we as a church will suffer. Even if, I mean, you may speak in tongues all day long, but if, if you're, if you're, Online experience is uncomfortable for people. It doesn't matter what kind of spiritual experience you're having in the building. You're only you're only going to be ministering uh, to church people. You're not going to be inviting to people that are not connected with your church. Yeah, I know. Just as a former military family, when we've moved into a new community, um, you know, one of the first things I would do whenever we would even, I remember when my husband was finishing up flight school and we had just the list of the options of the places we might be going. (laughs) I was looking up in those communities. Okay. What are the, what are the apostolic churches in this community? And, um, yeah, if they weren't, if it, if I couldn't find them on the internet, they just kind of like dropped to the bottom of my list. Exactly. Um, and that's that's me knowing, okay, we are going to find an apostolic church in this community. <laughs> like we will find one, whether they're online or not, we will eventually find them. We will get connected. But that takes a whole lot of determination on the part of the person looking for it you. Absolutely. And if absolutely they don't have any kind of incentive to do that, they're going to find the church that they can easily check out online and absolutely. has easy directions and <laughs> we can get there quickly. I, I if, if it's okay, I want, I want to insert, insert something right here for anyone that's listening. Uh, if, if you are a church, ministry, business, whatever you are, uh, if you are concerned about people coming into your facility and knowing about you and you want to manage that reputation, go to business.google.com, business.google.com and uh, capture your Google My Business account. That will allow you to manage your Google Maps profile, uh, to put your own photos on the internet. Um, <laughs> I want to tell you something funny uh, connected to my home church. Uh, if you want to, you know, stalk me online and figure out what my home church is in uh, Louisiana, <laughs> you can. Uh, but I was uh, we 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 have the Google My Business account claimed, and I was looking at it for whatever reason uh, a few months ago, and. <laughs> I went to the Google or to the Google Maps listing for my home church, and there was this man in a coffin, oh. uh, his his body in the coffin from many different angles, oh, um, no. <laughs> as pictures advertising our church. And uh, you know, we, we I come from a very dynamic and wonderful church that does great job with great jobs with marketing. Are a great job with marketing, but the first thing that people were going to see was a little, little <laughs> oh, dead man no. in the church. Well, what had happened is, you know, they we had a funeral for someone in the community, and uh, they had taken pictures of this funeral and just uploaded these photos to Google Maps, and anyone can do that. But if if you as a business capture the uh, account for uh, your business, then you can upload professional photos and you can manage the image that people see when they look at your church. 
I want to tell you how this applies to uh, give you some real life numbers and examples of how this applies to our work here in Paris. When we moved to Paris in 2018, the church that we are at was running around 40, uh, 45 people or so on average. Well, they did not have any of the stuff in place. So within a few months of us being here, we uh, took care of our online experience. We built a church website. We took care of the Google Maps page. Well, these these are not things that you see instant results for. And if you don't trust the process and you just give up, uh, you're, you're going to fail. But do what you know to do. So we knew we needed to take care of our online uh, presentation, our online experience. Well, over the next year, from January of 2019 to January of 2020, our church literally doubled in size. We went from about 45 people to 90 people on average. Uh, in fact, our very last Sunday before this ignorant COVID shutdown, <laughs> uh, we had 101 people in our church service that day. So how, how, how did the Google situation or how did Google Maps affect that? What happens whenever you put these things online with keywords, you know, we have, you know, friendly, apostolic, Pentecostal, you know, all these buzzwords that you might have for church. Uh, if people are looking for a church, uh, we are really high on that list. So we, we, we ran statistics and got to looking at things. On average, each Sunday, about 10% of the people that are sitting in our chairs are guests. That's huge. About yeah. 10% of the people there are guests. So in talking to these guests, we were able to figure out about nine, about 80, not 90, about 80% of the guests that were there for the first time found us on Google. They found us online. They were looking for a church. And what's really interesting, a few weeks ago, uh, we've, we've got some uh, a couple of guys that are coming to our church from Nigeria now. It's, a, it's an international church that we pastor. And uh, this guy is here from Nigeria. He's actually working on his PhD in linguistics. And I was talking to him. I said, my man, how did you find our church? He goes, oh, I found you on Google. Well, I'm always interested in, you know, what did you search for to find us on Google? And Jessica, the, his answer just blew me away. It left me speechless for a little bit. He, he told me, he said, I've, I visited a lot of churches in Paris and all the places that we visited were unfriendly. They acted like they did not want us there. And we just felt out of place. Hmm. So he said, I went to Google and I Googled friendly church in Paris. That's how he found us. <laughs> he's now a faithful member of the church. He serves. He's there early helping us set up. He stays late, helps us tear down. Uh, just this, this incredible guy that got connected with our ch church community because he Googled friendly church in Paris. And it's not hmm. that we are so awesome or that we're, you know, any better or different necessarily than uh, anyone else, but we're just taking care of these little things that anyone can do and it's totally free. Hmm. That is, yeah. When you start talking about it in, in the context of the way we approach our lives and other places we're trying to go, it only makes sense. And then when you talk about the aspect of being able to manage what photos and what information is available about your church. Like if you're not putting it out there, you have no idea what someone else is putting out there. Exactly. And saying about you. 
And you might say, oh, well, we, you know, we just don't do the whole online thing. Well, the world does. <laughs> and your name's right. out there somewhere, whether you put it there or not. So exactly. we better, we better manage it before, you know, someone else gets in there and knowingly or unknowingly, you know, damages the reputation of the church. Yeah. Without our knowledge. You know, let's say, you know, somebody has a wreck in front of your church or, you know, God forbid somebody gets shot on your church property or something and your church doesn't have a social media presence. But uh, this person is driving by your church and they see all this drama taking place and they take pictures, uh, whatever these pictures may be, and then they post them on Facebook and Let's say your church has not gone through the process of creating a Facebook page. They can tag that as being your church. So when someone goes online and looks for, you know, XYZ church and they pull you up and you have not taken care of it, then the only thing they see about your church is the tragic shooting that took place in your parking lot over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's a very dramatic example, but it's not too far off from the truth that happens. I see it happening all the time with churches that don't claim uh, or don't do these simple steps of managing their identity. So I guess then what would you advise a church? And this is probably way more information than you would be able to even give in a, a whole hour podcast on this one question. But where should people start if this is something that is not in place in their church or for their for their ministry, what would you advise them to do to get started? Uh, talk to someone younger than 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we we sometimes um, in our circles get this elitist idea that anyone that is a millennial has nothing to contribute. And it's quite the opposite. They've got tons to contribute. Um, you know, you tapping into uh, younger people and the things that they know in my opinion, is really the key to a church succeeding in this area. Mm. So, but the, really, the first thing that I would do is is talk to some people that are younger than you, that are connected with the world, uh, figure out what their experience is with your church on online, and then make adjustments for that. You know, get on the the, the very first two things I tell people. Number one capture your Google My Business page. And that's at business.google.com. The second thing is make sure your church Facebook page is running. Uh, you know, people like to, people really love to hate on Facebook. I I hate Facebook. It's, it's, a, it's a toxic cesspool. But, but the simple fact of the matter is the reason it's a toxic cesspool is because people are there. <laughs> and if you, you can get holier than thou all you want to, and oh, Facebook is... Uh, the, the the fact of the matter is people are on Facebook. It exists. Um, they're in, in America right now. They're, I think the last statistics I saw is like around 230 million people on Facebook. Uh, there are like 330 million people in America on there. So, you know, over two thirds of the country are on Facebook. And when we just say, Hey, I'm not going to jump on that because, you know, you don't like the politics or this and that you're, you're really closing the door for people to be able to get connected to your church. So capture the Google, my business, capture your Facebook, and then please, please, please get a website, Mm -hmm. get a website, uh, a web, and, and uh, you know, just because someone says they can design a website doesn't mean that they can. Ask to see a portfolio. Uh, if they cannot show you a portfolio of something that's been done within the past three years, uh, don't use them. Um, 
and I knew I knew some churches have limited financial resources, but one of the big things I would encourage churches is don't be shy about investing money in this area. Mm. You may not see the immediate payoff, but if if you're not willing to invest money in it, then you're not serious about it. If mm. you're not willing to invest money in it, then you don't really care about it. And your lack of investment of time and energy uh, will have ripple effects and you will see that in the growth of your church and the success of your online presence. So I'm going to get a little transparent uh, with you for a moment and ask you some more specific questions that relate to kind of the situation that we're in right now. Um, and But I think that they apply to other people as well. So we've been about six months in on making this podcast. Um, we have we invested in a graphic designer to get us a logo and kind of a branding kit. Um, I've been, you know, trying to do what I can with what I little bit I know about social media, just from being a person on social media to promote the podcast that way. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of familiar with it. I, I was fairly comfortable with doing that for the podcast to a certain extent. Um, but then when this aim uh, appointment came in, and we realized we're going to need to do some branding and some marketing and some promotion in order to raise our budget to go to Denmark in 2022. Um, I started to get really uncomfortable with the idea of marketing ministry. Um, and everything that you're saying makes perfect sense to me whenever we're talking about churches and um, that sort of thing. And maybe this is just all my um, own personality issue <laughs> that I feel very uncomfortable with just what I see as like self-promotion. Um, but can you talk to me about that? Talk me through like as in individuals, we're trying to raise a budget to go and do what God has called us to do. What kind of marketing should we be doing? And why do I feel so weird about it, Baron? <laughs> This this is a tremendous question. It it really is, and I'm 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 thankful that you asked. And it's kind of a multifaceted question, and I I don't, I don't want to get too too far off and left and left left filled. But when people when people are investing or when people choose to give money um, to support missions some cases they are supporting missions it's my conviction and i i you know i i could stand to be corrected and i i will humbly submit to any correction i receive on this but uh it is my conviction that people don't support missions they support visions of people so when a ch if a church just wanted to support missions then they would just give money to the account in denmark mm. why would they send you Right. So what happens is is you raising money as a a short term missionary or other missionaries raising money to go out in the field. What happens is churches or, or individuals they're investing in that person. They're investing in the people because they believe in you. They believe in the vision that you're presenting. And we we sometimes uh, I'll be honest. It was really weird for me when we first started raising money. Uh, I was a marketing director for a, a huge cyber organization in the states, and uh, you know I was used to making my own way in life. And when we started raising money for being involved in full time ministry, humiliating maybe a strong word, mm. but it was 
it had it took a mental shift for me personally and as as a guy you know we 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 want to have something to show for ourselves something to show for our work and that was it was really difficult for me uh it was it was a hit on my pride to mm. be putting myself out there but i began to realize that people they're investing in me they're investing in my vision of my ministry and what god can do through my life and if I cannot communicate that well, then people are not going to invest in me. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a weird place to uh, kind of, you know, for, for churches and businesses, that's one thing. But when you bring it down to like a personal level for someone raising money for for ministry, I totally understand what you're saying because it's it's kind of a weird position. But I think what happens is the authenticity of who you are is going to come if if you're inauthentic if if you're just a salesman and hmm. uh, you're just out to to raise money for yourself it, it's going to show it your house of cards will collapse people will see through it uh, but if if you really have a burden for uh, the the mission or ministry that God has put on your heart and if you can clearly articulate the vision that God has given you that God wants to work through you and your ministry, people people want to support that. I, again, I was having a hard time with this when my wife and I first went into full-time ministry. And I, I went to my pastor and I said, Brother Dean, I'm, I'm just really having a hard time uh, with the idea of raising money to, to work for the Lord. And he looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> he said, Baron, do you realize I've lived all of my adult life on the benevolence of the body of Christ? Mm. He said, that's what the body of Christ does is, you know, we, we, some work and some go, uh, some, some work for, so other people can go. We, we send people into ministry. We send people into missions and don't, don't be ashamed because God has called you to do that. You have the vision, share with a vision that God has given you and move on. And that, that really liberated me a lot. Uh, when I realized, you know, uh, every, Every full-time pastor, uh, it's, it's a little bit different, but you know, every, anyone that's full-time in ministry really is living their life on the benevolence of the body of Christ. Yeah. But whenever someone is inauthentic, the church will see it. Uh, and and again, I, I, I could be totally wrong, but I just believe that someone who's concerned about being inauthentic is probably not inauthentic. <laughs> Some, someone that's concerned about the fee, the weird feeling they get about raising money is probably a sincere soul uh, that can raise money. Uh, the, 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 I think the really big deal is that can you clearly articulate the vision or, uh, you know, vision is what we might use in an organizational circle for, you know, sitting around talking in business. But um, in ministry, we would call it a burden. Can you articulate the burden that God has put on your heart? Because you 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 may feel insecure about raising that money. You may feel insecure about articulating that burden, but there's somebody waiting on you. There's somebody waiting on you to articulate that burden so that you can get the money that you need to go and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ in a place that is dark and a place that's hopeless and a place that may not have uh, access to the love of God uh, in an everyday fashion, like what you're able to experience when you go into the house of God. 
And until we get over ourselves and until we can walk past the pride that tries to hold us back, people are going to continue to wait on us. And I think if we're not careful, pride will hold us back from pursuing the things of God because we're concerned about what is what are people going to think about me if I'm raising money? What what are people going to think about me if I do this? What are, Who cares what people think <laughs> about you? There's someone across the world waiting on you to step out of your position, to go and share a smile with them, to go and share a hug with them, to go and share the love of Jesus with them and and share the hope that is only found in the gospel of Jesus. Well, (laughs) I appreciate that so much. Um, And it's it's confirmation of, I think, what the Lord has been trying to say to me um, even as I mentioned in the recent sermon from our pastor about being kingdom minded, the same kind of idea came to my mind, which was Jessica, if, if you let these feelings hold you back from doing what God called you to do, then you're making it all about you. Absolutely. Just as much as if you were being inauthentic and trying to, you know, scam people out of a bunch of money for yourself, it's the same. The end result is the same and you're, you're, it's all, it's all pride. And so. Yes. False humility is the same thing as pride. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Um, those, that's definitely an encouragement. And I believe that just by virtue of other people being able to hear this, that we're, we are going to encourage somebody else who's struggling in a similar way or that who needed to hear that same thing as well. So I, I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, we are, we are running up on our, our normal time limit. And I know that there's a lot of stuff we probably haven't even been able to touch on. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you feel like you would like to say on this subject while you have a chance? <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Oh, there's so much to say. <laughs> Let, okay, uh, this is this is probably a pet peeve. And I at this point, I'm probably just griping and um, <laughs> delete, hit mute, whatever you have to do. <laughs> but if you have a church website, and I hope you do have a church website. If you have a church website, is your contact information on there? Is your church telephone number on there? Is your church address on there? I cannot tell you the number of churches that I've gone to. And I guess they're just expecting a revelation of the Holy Ghost for people <laughs> to just figure out where they are. Uh, they So many times churches don't have their basic information to contact them on their site. So if you have a church website, uh, if you're a pastor, if you're a member of a church, go look at your church website. And if you don't see it on there and you can do something about it, fix it. If you can't do something about it, tell someone who can. (laughs) I love it. It's great practical advice and yeah, a great place to start. Our final question of our show is always the same. Our show is called Good Question. We like to ask every guest, what is a good question that you are asking yourself lately? <laughs> well, we've been spiritual, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we let's, let's not get too serious anymore. Um, we went to the supermarket today and sometimes you're walking down the street and you just, you smell this pungent odor. And my question is, why do the French like such stinky cheese. <laughs> no, really, I'm serious. There's some stinky, terrible cheese here. There's over 400 varieties of French cheese. And some of the cheese they have here, it's literally against the wall to bring it on public transportation because it stinks <laughs> so bad. 
There's oh, other man. cheese here that is it's illegal to carry around because of all the bacteria in it. And like who who ate this for the first time? Yeah. Who decided that this stinky cheese was something to be consumed and was some culinary delight? So that's my question. Why do the French like stinky cheese? Uh, well, if you don't know, I certainly don't. But <laughs> that sounds like a good thing for somebody to do a research project about. <laughs> yeah, there's, there, I'm sure there's some sociological study that you can yeah. do on this. You know. It's like a good kid's uh, social studies project. Exactly. Yeah. I love if, it. If somebody does that, I, I want you to send me a report. Yeah, for real. Us too. <laughs> uh, hey, Jessica, one more thing I want to share with you. Um, in a, uh, there's there's a PDF that I share with churches. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've got show notes where you can link to this. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I will send you the PDF for you to put into your show notes. But uh, there's a PDF that I put together, Creative Tools to Grow. And these are simple things um, that and this is really geared towards smaller churches or smaller ministries that are just trying to figure out where to get started. How do they get started with video technique? How do they get started with advertising, uh, design, Facebook, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, It's a two-page document that someone can go through and it just kind of launches them off to thinking about uh, looking at their ministry through a marketing mindset. So I'm going to send you that PDF for you to put into the show notes if you like. I love that. Thank you so much. I'm sure that will really be a great blessing to people. Um, If you're willing to share your own social media for people to follow and maybe hit you up with a question or two, we can add that as well. You can go to baroncarson.com. Baroncarson.com will land you on my Facebook page and um, you can message me there. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much. We appreciate you sharing your expertise, your heart, your encouragement for us. It's really been an enjoyable conversation for me. So I thank you. Well, thank you very much. Friends, it was such a blessing to me personally to have this conversation with Baron Carson. God truly used him to confirm what the Holy Ghost has been whispering to my spirit. And I am so thankful. I hope you took something away from this episode. Whether you're hopping over right now to check and make sure your church website has the correct contact info and address, or you're opening your mind and spirit up to how God would have you pursue that calling you abandoned when life led you down a different path than you expected. I pray you can take the information in this episode and put it to use to further the kingdom of God. You can also find a link to connect with Baron if you have more questions or you'd like to find out more about his consulting services. As always, we want to hear how this episode impacted you. You can find us on Instagram at Good Question Show, and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also find our Facebook page. Just search Good Question with Jessica Tanderup Podcast, or you can shoot us an email to goodquestionshow at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup. My co-producer, editor, and the man who is leading Team Tanderup across the Atlantic on our new kingdom adventure is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.